0: i'm really glad to be here um i had a interesting day yesterday i drove up to rockford because my seven um, 87 year old aunt nancy uh was in the hospital Uh, nancy's from california and her husband died last year she has no children and so my brother and i and the the uh, cousins in rockford are kind of her only relatives that are left and uh She was there basically trying to figure out, should I move from California to Rockford? Uh, because that's where the the hub of the the family is. And uh, she was looking at assisted living homes and all that. And uh, she went on day one and checked this place out, and it was really nice. And on day two, she got up, ready to go to the second place. And in my other aunt's house, she tripped and fell and shattered her right wrist and broke, uh, fractured her right hip. So she's in the hospital, she can't move, uh, she can't feed herself, she can't uh, get out of bed to go to the bathroom or anything like that. And I went to visit her, I'm, I'm her uh, power of attorney for health care or something like that, and I'm like, what am I going to say to Nancy today? And so we went up and we talked about all kinds of stuff. You know, we got to get your your mail sent here because you ain't going anywhere very quickly and you may not be going back to California at all because this is where you were going to be anyway and we got to figure all that out and everything. In the midst of it all, it's like, Nancy, I know this wasn't on our plans. I know that none of us had in mind, well, you're going to come to Rockford and trip and fall. You know, it, that, that just wasn't in the plans. But Nancy, you need to trust God. In the midst of not having a husband to help you, though she helped him through some very difficult times last year and the year before, though you are in a foreign place, though you've got lots of family around you, I want you to just imagine that your God was not surprised by this, that your God is still in control, and though we don't understand why he allowed this, I mean, he could have snapped his sovereign fingers and had that fall not happen. Nancy, I want you to trust God in the midst of this. And we prayed and we talked about that. And you know what, when you're an associate pastor, it is really a neat deal. You don't have to preach every week. You only get to preach once in a while. And, and I get to think, of you know, what has God really laid on my heart in these days? And when I talked to Russ, I told him about a few different things. And he said, Mark, why don't you preach on that issue of trusting God? Because I think most people, I know for me it is true, is when we think of, you know, what does God really want from me? I mean, you know, he's the sovereign of the universe. He doesn't need anything. But what does he want from me? If if I'm going to follow him and if I'm going to be his kid and be in the family, what does he want from me? And and I've always kind of considered it was, well, do what I say. You know, as a parent, you know, do what I say, don't do what I don't, don't, you know obedience that that's what i kind of thought that's what god wants from us and and of course he does want that but i believe as i've looked at the scriptures and as i've thought through life of mine and and others like nancy and looked at the stories in the bible the number one thing god wants from us is to trust him and you're like that's it (laughs) That's the sermon? Yep, you can go home now. No. God wants us to trust him. And trust will naturally lead to obedience, and we're going to do it the way he wants us to do it and all that kind of stuff. But at the heart of it, he wants us to trust him. Well, what is trust? Well, trust is believing, when you're talking about a person, trust is believing that that person is good enough, strong enough, faithful enough, whatever, to be trustworthy. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the hall of faith. We're going to go back and forth between a bunch of scriptures today, but we're going to see some in Hebrews. Hebrews 1 says that faith or trust is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. So I'm certain that God can do this. I'm certain that God knows this. I'm certain that God is in control, even in the midst of the days when I don't like it or I don't understand it, because I know who he is and I trust that he is trustworthy in everything. And honestly, if you think about the word trust, trust doesn't mean anything unless you have an object, that there's this person that you trust in. I mean, you can say something as simple as, well, I trust or I believe that the sun's going to come up tomorrow morning. And What I want you to think of is what you're really saying is, I believe that there is someone that's going to make it happen like it's always happened. That I have this God who is working in the world and and the sun's going to come up just as it always has. Or, or maybe you would say, you know, I trust that my money's safe at my bank. I hope that you believe that. I hope that where your money is, if you have any, that it's safe and you believe that there's this bank. And, and you can say, I trust in the bank. But what you really believe is there's people that run that bank and are the security guards and they figured out a way in the safe and all that. But there's people that I can trust to keep my money safe. A child might trust their parents in the midst of a storm and hold on, mommy, protect me, and I got you. And I'm trusting in my mom or dad. A teen might trust her best friend with a secret that we don't want anybody else to know. A wife might trust as her husband goes off on a business trip that he's going to behave himself and is going to honor her in the way he acts on that business trip. Or a dying man might trust his wife and kids that they're going to take care of him. And they're going to do what he would want them to do as his body and maybe his mind goes away. But I hope you can see, even in these examples that I just gave, that there isn't anybody on this earth that is perfectly trustworthy There are storms that are so bad that moms and dads can't protect their children from them. There are times when our best friends say things on Facebook or to somebody else that I didn't think they would ever tell because I told them not to. There are times when husbands leave their wives on a business trip and they're not trustworthy to act in the way that she had hoped There's times when dying men or women are not cared for in the way that they had hoped that their children or their spouse would have cared for them. The best people in our lives usually are trustworthy, but no person on this earth is perfect to be able to be trusted. But that's why it is so important to have someone that's even better in our lives, uh, a God in heaven, a Father who we can look to and say, I trust you in everything. There isn't any storm you can't handle. There isn't any situation you can't work through. You will never leave me, forsake me in all of those things. So how important does God see this trust business? Well, if you go a few verses further in Hebrews chapter eleven, You get to Hebrews 11.6 and it says that without faith it is impossible to please God. You could be doing all the right things. You'd be going all the right places. You could be helping people, giving your money away to the poor, blah, 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 and all that good stuff that we know God wants those who are following Him to do. But if you are not trusting Him, if you are not putting your faith in Him on a day to day basis and believing Him to live the kind of life that He wants you to live, then He's not pleased. So I would say it's pretty darn important to God that we would trust him. And we think through that trust and what it results in. And again, it usually results in our obedience. And so you trust your financial institution. When they say, you know what? We've been looking at the markets and I think we got to get your money out of those foreign accounts and we need to put them in something over here in gold or whatever. And you're like, okay, I, I trust you. Let's do that. Or, or your doctor, especially when you're my age, you know, saying, um, <clears throat> maybe we shouldn't be eating so many donuts on a regular basis here or anything like that. And, and I, I really want you to watch your cholesterol and start eating differently. And, and if I trust him, what would, what would the result be? That I would do that because I believe he knows better than I do. A teenager that is told something by their parents that they just don't get it. Why or why not? But I trust you. I believe that you know better than I and they end up doing it. So obedience, what God obviously eventually wants, stems from this kind of trust and we naturally do what he says because we trust that he knows better. So hopefully... I've convinced you that God thinks this is a big deal. And that really what He wants from you and I on a daily basis is I want you to trust me. I want you to believe that I am who I say I am. And when I speak about things and talk through your life with you in the scriptures and by my spirit and stuff, that you would listen and believe that I know best and you're going to therefore obey. So, how do I do that? How, what does it look like on a daily basis to say, okay, Lord, I do trust you. What, what's that going to look like on Monday? Well, there's a lot of verses that we could turn to, but my favorite is Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, from verses 5 to 7, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. So how do I trust the Lord? How does that practically happen on Monday? Well, first of all, if you look at verse 5 again, it says, trust in the Lord with your heart. Trust is at the core not a mind issue. This is not me sitting down intellectually and calculating whether I think God really knows better. Does he yeah, okay, I got that. This is more of a, God, I've, I've learned to know who you are and I believe in my heart that you've got my best in mind and I really can trust you. It is a heart issue. And second of all, we trust God in all of our ways, verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge him. That's easy to say when you agree, when I agree. Yeah, God, yeah, that's a good one. I'm going, but what about the ones that, wait wait a minute, God, why, why don't you want me to do that? Or why would you say I should do that? The ones that we don't understand or we don't agree with God, those are the ones that it's like, are, are we gonna trust him in those areas too? In, in everything, are we gonna trust God So we're going to trust Him with our heart in all of our ways. But lastly, and this is where the rubber really meets the road, trusting God always involves putting God's opinion above ours. Look at the end of verse 5. Do not lean on your own understanding. Verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. This is the problem. So I have a 21-year-old living at home right now. And my 21-year-old is brilliant. She is. She also thinks she's got life pretty much together. Most people at that age do. And sometimes it's hard to speak into her life because she's got it all figured out. I remember being there. I'd look at my parents like, well, duh. And I think God... And us work that way too. God says something to do, to not do, to go. To not, and, and we're sitting there figuring out in our minds, like, well, that, that doesn't make sense to me. I figured it out this way. Or I've worked through it this way. And, and God's like, so are you leaning on how you think through it? Or are you leaning on what I think about this? And that we're going to say to God, Did you give an opinion on this issue? And if you did, is your opinion better than my opinion? Is your way better than my way? Am I really willing to trust you even when I don't understand or or I don't like it or I don't get it? That I am not going to trust me above You. Now if God's not clear on something, then obviously He's given us a brain and we're gonna work through it and get help from people and all that. But if God has made it clear, am I really gonna trust him? And if you're a parent, you kinda know how this goes. So you have a three-year-old, and the three-year-old goes over to Aunt Millie's house, and Aunt Millie has a nice cat, and the three-year-old sees the cat and is like, oh, kitty, kitty, and you're like, wait, I'm out. Let's not pick the cat up. But it's so fluffy. Yes, and it has claws, and I've seen Aunt Millie's cat claw people before and I don't want you to experience it and to the three year old it's like but and you're just going no just trust me let's not pick the cat up or maybe you tell your teenager you know, you know those guys down the street that I've been seeing you hanging around and, and stuff and they're, they're really fun you, know, you, you just have to trust me that we're not going to hang with them I know what you see as fun and a lot of cool games and they get to do all this neat stuff and everything. And that's great and and, and I understand that, but I know some things about what's going on in their life and their family situation and stuff. And and maybe we could have them over to our house if you want to hang with them once in a while, but we're not going to go, but why not? Trust me. I just need you to trust me on this one so you see trusting in God has everything to do with whether we truly believe he knows better than I do and if you think about it for you to really believe that God knows better you have to know him you don't trust you don't believe in someone that you don't know very well And the better you know somebody, the better you're going to have an idea. Is this person trustworthy? Is this person a reasonable person that I could put my trust upon? Psalm chapter 9, verses 7 through 10 says it pretty well. The Lord reigns forever, He'll judge the world in righteousness. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed those who know your name will trust in you for you lord have never forsaken those who seek you if you know that you have a reigning you know i've got the sovereign reigning god of the universe There's nothing he can't handle. If you know that he's the perfect judge, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about what I did or didn't do. God knows my heart and he knows what really happened there. If you know that he's a place that you can run to, a a hiding place, a dad that you can crawl up on his lap and, and cry with in the midst of the crud and everything and if you know that he is a God that will never, ever, ever give up on you, it's going to be easier for you and I to say, that's somebody that I can really trust. Because when I believe that my God's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, all all everything else that we know the Bible says, it's going to be easier to trust him for what he tells us. There is one problem that I have noticed don't take this personally, Lord, but you're really slow sometimes. <laughs> I'm kind of this one. Can can we get this now? Can I can I get through? Can I get this answer now? Can we just make this happen now? You know the the let's and God's no, no. We're we're just waiting on that one. Or you know what? I've I've got something going on that you don't even know about yet. That's going to make it. Someday that you'll understand why we've waited so long to bring this about. The psalmist in Psalm 39 says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. That's one of my problems. I trust the Lord. I know who He is and all that, but man, is He slow sometimes. And just like Abraham Back in the Old Testament, sometimes like, okay, God, I know you said this, but maybe I got to give you a hand on getting this going and, you know, that type of thing. So I trust God by believing in my heart that He knows more than I do, that His opinion trumps my opinion, that compared to Him, I know nothing, by remembering how smart and powerful and wise and all that He is, and by waiting on His perfect timing. And if you will do that, if you will do that, I promise you that things will go better than if you don't trust him. And I thought before I quit today, I just wanted to show you why I believe that. Because there are people in the Bible, we could tell stories on each other too, but there's people in the Bible that have trusted and not trusted God. And there are consequences that are pretty serious both ways. So if we go back, let's go way back. Let's go way, way back to the very beginning. And who was the first people that didn't trust God? Adam and Eve. I got this whole place for you. You can do what you want and Eat what you want, except you see that tree right there? Don't eat the fruit from that tree. Got it? Got it. Who knows why, but eventually both of them give in to, and Satan got involved in tricking them and twisting God's words in their life and all that. And it looked good. Probably even smelled good and all that. And Satan's like, no, you know, if you eat that, then you're, you're going to be even more like God. This will be really good. And they trusted their own instincts. They trusted Satan's instincts rather than God's. And they ate of the fruit. And what were the consequences? They died. <laughs> they died. They were never supposed to die. Not that moment they didn't die, but eventually, just like you and I, their bodies gave out. Mine's a little ahead of most of yours, but our bodies just give out and and we die. And that wasn't the original plan. And more than just dying, their choice had consequences for everybody in the whole human race. Go read Romans chapter 5 sometime about how Adam and Eve's sin affected us and how God changed that and brought it back around by bringing Jesus in. And what was the cause of that first problem? They didn't trust him. Well, that's the negative side. What's the positive side? Who was the first truster in the Bible? Well, you could argue for a few different people, but I landed on Noah. Noah. And I don't know if you know the story very well, but you know most people know, you know God came to him, build a boat, and it's going to rain, and, and the boat's going to save your family, and bring the animals on, and we're going to save that, and all that kind of stuff. But what some people don't know is it really took a lot of trust for Noah to do this for two reasons. Number one, it took him like 100 years to build the boat. <clears throat> this wasn't like you know, a weekend project. This thing took like a hundred years to build, you know, probably being ridiculed the whole time. And second of all, it had never rained before. If you look back before Noah, it says that the ground of the earth was watered from springs, and we don't believe it had ever rained up until that point. So you don't know, no, it's going to rain for thirty days. And what's rain? Trust me, it's coming. Okay. For a hundred years. And obviously, we know the result of that. His family was saved. The animals, the inhabitants of the ark were saved. And there was a very happy ending for you and I, and obviously for Noah and his family. But if you go back to chapter 11 of Hebrews and read through Hebrews, because Hebrews chapter 11, and I call it the hall of faith. It's like the writer is putting posters on the wall of all the people from the Old Testament that trusted God, that had faith in him. Do you know who the poster boy of chapter 11 is? Abraham. And it's because Abraham didn't just have one time that he displayed incredible faith. He had a whole bunch of times. So Abraham's living over here in the land of Ur and God tells him, hey, pack up your family and your stuff and I'm going to take you somewhere else. Okay. What would be your question? Where are we going? How long is it going to take to get there? Why? Could I ask why? Okay. Took him hundreds of miles, went by the old homeland up in Haran and then down into what we now call Israel. That's your new home. Oh, had faith to do that. Second one, we got a problem. These guys are old; they're older than me, about a hundred. And his wife Sarah's barren; never been able to have a child. And God comes to them, and says, "I am going to give you a child." And not only are you going to have a child, but he's going to be the start of a new nation. Look up in the sky. You see how many stars there are? That's how many children, grandchildren, great, 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 grandchildren you're going to have, you're going to be the start of a new nation that I'm going to have a special touch on. And Abraham's like, okay. Um, we've never been able to have children yet. And we're past childbearing age, but... I believe you. And as James says, um, faith without works is dead. So they slept together and they had a child. The start of a new nation. And then when that son, Isaac, was about, let's call him an early teenager. We don't know exactly, but let's call him 12, 13 years old. God said to him, you know that son that's going to be the start of the new nation? I want you to take him up to Mount Moriah and I want you to kill him. Okay, could you say that again? I want you to take him up to Mount Moriah and and you're going to kill him. And the interesting thing is in, in Genesis, it says as they were approaching the mountain, he stopped the caravan of people and he said, hey, you guys, you wait here. Me and my son are going up to worship the Lord. So he takes Isaac up, he gets the knife out, ties him up, puts him on the altar. By the way, Isaac must have had faith too because we think with this old guy, he could have like run away, but he didn't. And with his knife in his hand, ready to plunge it in to kill Isaac, God says, stop, just testing you. There's a ram over in the thicket. Use the ram for the, for the worship sacrifice here today. And you know what's really cool? In all of this, Abraham never asked all these questions that you and I have in the midst of this, or at least it's not recorded, but it says in Hebrews chapter 11, Abraham's reasoning this out in his brain, and here's what he thought. I'm gonna kill him. And God's going to raise him from the dead. Because he told me, this is the son of promise, that someday there's going to be a great nation from him, and I believe that this is the guy, and if he has me kill him, he's going to raise him from the dead. Now, God did it differently, but Abraham trusted him and believed that God is who he says he is, knows what he's doing, is always faithful and all that. He said, God is not going to go back on his promise. Abraham, the poster child of the hall of faith. But when we read the stories of not trusting God in the Bible, we also remember there are serious consequences. So we want to be the Abrahams and the Noahs, not the Adam and Eves and the others. And we've talked about kind of real Practical consequences, you know, you're going to have a great nation and now you're going to die and everything. But there's something that I believe in my life that is even like more important than the practical consequences of believing God and what you get and all of this. Romans chapter 15 says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overwhelm with hope in the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things in my life that I cannot control. In fact, Chuck Swindoll, I think, one time said, you know, there's only about a a small percentage of life that you can actually control what's gonna happen. What's really important is how you react in life to the stuff you can't control and a lot of the stuff that i can't control i would consider crud (laughs) I, i don't like it but in the midst of the crud it says those who trust in god can still have joy and peace and hope for the future Not because we know exactly how this is going to turn out or we know exactly when this trial is going to be done or we know exactly what God's going to do, but we can just go, you know, God, I don't know what's going on, but I trust you. That's what I told Nancy. I said, Nancy, I don't know what's going to happen. You may never, I didn't say this to her, but I said it in my mind and I kind of implied it to her. You may never get back to California to back up your house and come here. This may be the end of your travels, but I want you to trust that your God, your Papa, knows what's going on and you can trust Him in the midst of all of this. Well, I'm guessing that a majority of you in this room would say, I, I am a truster in God. I have trusted God and I've started a relationship with Him by trusting in His Son But I want you to know that what God really wants is not just a one time trust. He wants it every day. I've trusted Christ for, for the forgiveness of my sins, and now today, God, I trust you for you fill in the blank. I had a talk with one of my children one time, and they were telling me about this person that they had met and they were starting to date, and they were trying to impress me, I could tell. They're trying to impress me. And we talked about a bunch of things about who this person was, and in the midst of it, my child said to me, and this person said, the first time we went out, I know this is a deal breaker to some people, but I don't want to have sex until I'm married. Ka-ching! I'm in! And it's not because of the sex. The only reason a 20-something-year-old could say that is because they've trusted that God knows better. The world is saying that is ridiculous. The world is saying, go ahead with whatever. This person said, I may not understand it, I may not like it, but God has said, I'm not gonna have sex until I'm married from today till that day, and I just want you to know before we start dating that that's it. I'm like, they're in, they're in. What do you do when you have a person in your life and God says, I want you to forgive everybody? You mean even that person? Yeah, even that person. But God, you know, I know what they did, but I still want you to forgive them for their sake and even more importantly, for you sake. Do you believe that when God says you are to forgive everyone that he really means that and it's really the best thing? When he says that he wants you to regularly and sacrificially give to the kingdom of God, do you believe that? Or or do you believe that you have a better way of handling your finances? That that if you are committed to this church, you should be giving to it and and to other God-honoring things that are going on in this world? When God says you're not supposed to lie but you know if I don't lie, my wife is going to be really ticked or, or my boss is going to be really ticked or my you fill in the blank is going to be... But God said I shouldn't lie and I'm not going to do it because he said so. Do you believe when he says to submit to this person in my life, whoever that might be, a, a boss or a spouse or, or a government official or something that he knows better the way he set this word, world up? Or do you know better that you really don't have to submit to that person? Do we trust him? If you're a believer in Jesus, it's easy to trust God when you and him agree, just like we said before, but when we come upon those things in his word that are like, that's when it really becomes significant. Do I trust him or am I going to go with my way? But I'm guessing in a crowd this size, there's also some people who have never trusted in Christ, they have never started a relationship with the God of the universe by coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that if I put my trust in you that that death on the cross will count to wipe away My bad account with the Father and when I get to heaven someday I will be allowed in, not because of who I am or what I did, but because of what Jesus did for me. And if you have never started that relationship with God, God says, I want you to trust me. And I want to end my sermon by reading you some of Jesus' last words that remind us how important it is to trust God. John chapter 14, Jesus is ready to go back to heaven. He's talking to his disciples and they are not happy about this. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Because in my Father's house are many rooms. You've never seen them, but I have. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and I'll take you to be with me that you may be also where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And then Thomas, the the disciple that always seemed to be about like one step behind, Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And then Jesus utters probably, some of the most famous words he ever said. He simply said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. But you see, the world has a lot of other options. The world says, you can get there by just being a good person. Or you can go through this person. Or you can go through this doing this amount of stuff for God or whatever. Jesus says, no. There is one way to the Father, and it is through me. I have died on a cross to forgive those who will put their trust in me of all their sins forever. And if you will trust me that I have done that for you, and believe that by trusting in you you will be right with God forever, that your sins, the Bible said, are thrown as far as the east is from the west, then you are starting a trust relationship with God, and you come into his family as a new son or daughter to start trusting him every day of your life. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful that as you have asked us to follow you as your children, that you haven't asked us to do this on our own, but you are there all the way. And I know nobody in here is in a hospital bed like Nancy, but every one of us have experienced those moments in those days when we're looking up going, what is going on? And I pray that you would help us to trust you in the midst of all that happens in life and really believe that your ways are better than our ways, even if we don't understand them, even if we don't get it, even if we don't like it. And Lord, I pray if there is anybody here today who has never started that relationship with you by putting their faith, their trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, that today would be that they could talk to me or one of the band members afterwards and we could just show them from your word how they can know that they can have eternal life because their sins are gone and they can trust you that jesus really is the only way and we ask this in jesus precious name